Father's Day. It's the Lombardi line as we welcome you in here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. A very special day as we say hi. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VSIN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi hanging out in Jersey. And imagine my surprise when I walked in. A very special Mother's Day in Francine. The mother of our producer, Steph, is hanging out. And it's nice to see her. Happy Mother's Day to Francine and to Millie, to my mother. Hi, Michael. How are you? I am wonderful, yes, to all the mothers out there, particularly the ones that are close to us and have given us uh, all the sacrifices in their lives. We certainly appreciate them, and uh, that's awesome. Stephanie, as her mom, come to work day. That's perfect. Maybe maybe she keeps Stephanie from laughing today at uh, my baseball picks, huh? Well, what do you think? I'm, no, well, the baseball picks, we'll get to that. Mr. Baseball's been red hot. Uh, I think she'll stick around for about 30 seconds, but she's big into the slots, so she's about to bail. Oh. Francine's <laughs> going to bail to go play the slots. And by the way, I for love you, it. for you, I, I know your your coffee duty, breakfast duty for Millie. So I would imagine you put a little yes. extra sugar in the coffee today. You know what I mean? For Mother's you know, Day. I tried to do my best this morning. I got I got you know, of course, the great one, Bill Berman. Happy birthday, Happy Bill! Birthday, Happy Bill. Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day, Anissa. Uh, we yeah. will be cooking brunch. I mean, the, it doesn't end, Patrick. This day doesn't end. <laughs> you know, it's a full time. It's a full time day. So yeah, we'll be making brunch as soon as I get off this show. I'm like Fred Flintstone, slide down the back of the dining and go right in the kitchen into the kitchen I gotta know I gotta know what as far as brunch duties what does Michael Lombardi do to help out oh I made a orange flavored French toast that I have to kind of go and and do and yeah I did that we made last night we made prime rib we made a a crepe potato bacon Uh, we made we grilled romaine which is a personal favorite to Millie so we had to do that we made the salad dressing we made the horseradish what else we made asparagus we made carrot it was a full full force and picked the wines out too we paired the wines together it would have been good. You'd have been happy. <laughs> Wait, you we guys, didn't have to leave. We, you all live like the Rockefellers. I mean, you're constantly having parties and great. Well, food you know what my son said. My son said, "Yeah, my sons basically say that I'm back in a frat, an expensive frat, but I'm back in a frat, which I think is some degree <laughs> the truth." That <laughs> I think. Well, you're I mean, enjoying with Berman, your, It is like a frat. It, yeah, you're, you are. You're enjoying yourself. That's all that matters. Wow, that sounds like a good. Day. I had. <sighs> let's see. Tuna out of a can. I actually split it with Jeezy. She's big into tuna, so I had the tuna out of the can. Uh, so yeah, you had a better night than I, but ha- ab- absolutely happy. Mother's but you Day chose. Really. You chose that. You could have easily gone. You know, Michael's probably has an oh, open invitation to you anytime you want. You yeah. know. Yeah. You know. So I, well, you chose. You chose it. No, Don't it, cry on it, my shoulder. No, it was. It, it was delicious to say the least. I. You mentioned Mr. Baseball, <laughs> uh, Ben White. I'd say white hot. I'd say red hot, but even hotter than red. White hot. The White Sox yeah. yesterday, but also you gave out the Giants. Nine one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just trying to do the best I can, Patrick. You know, get up early, trying to watch it. Those left-handers against the White Sox don't work. I see you, Stephanie. We got 30 <laughs> seconds. We're not going to miss it. I promise you, Steph. You know, with Francine there, we're not going to mess it up. I promise you. So, you know, you just got to take what you can give. I'm on the I'm on the White Sox again today. I'm back on it. Why not double dip? I'm on the Cardinals today too. So there you go. Little little nuggets for you. Choo choo! You getting on the train, huh, Mister Baseball? Well, yep. it was interesting. You got up early, three o'clock in the morning, then delivered breakfast in bed to Millie on Mother's Day. That's an impressive little Sunday. When we come back, we'll continue. I want to get into the Browns. I got a question for you, but first, action update. 
This is Brent Musburger, and here is your VSIN action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. Domingo Herman on the mound for the New York Yankees, and now they're 58 favorite at home against Washington. The Yankees are trying to right the ship. They have won 7 of 10, the total 9.5 over at Yankee Stadium. Nick Pavetta's 4-0. He's another 43 favorite today as the Red Sox visit Baltimore. Lucas Giolito has won seven of his nine starts in his career against Kansas City. He's laying $1.55 against Mike Miner and the Royals, plus 145. Eight flat at Kauffman Stadium. Cubs $1.70 favorite at home against the Pirates. Boston Celtics one game back of Miami for the number six spot of the Eastern Conference, laying a point and a half at home against the Heat. 220 and a half the total. v gives you the tools to increase your sports betting IQ and make the most of every bet, including our 24-7 video coverage, odds and analysis for every game, our daily members-only best bets email, and in-depth coverage each week in Point Spread Weekly. Now's the time to sign up for your 10-day free trial, v slash subscribe. With your action update, I'm Mike Senna. Get the latest v odds at vsin.com. And remember... Cash and tickets is what it's all about. As we welcome you in on the Sunday, got plenty to do. Michael, by the way, I meant to mention to you last night, late night, Canelo Alvarez and Saunders, the boxing match that we kind of mentioned yesterday. I mean, Alvarez is a great, he's a Mexican fighter. Uh, I think he's got it's a 52 and one, maybe something like that. So it was too heavy to lay a number, but I, I bought it. And what a transportation to the past there were over 73,000 people at Jerry World watching the box I I swear to you I thought I was having like an optical illusion because we're so conditioned now <laughs> not to think of so many people congregating but it broke a record the record was I believe it was Ali Spinks in 78 63,000 so it beat by over 10,000 people indoors amazing yeah, amazing obviously COVID is not in Arlington Texas uh, at all um, you know, I, look, I, I think uh, this is what we're going to see. I think the crowds at football games, I think the crowds, if they're allowed to go to basketball games, I think people have this natural itch to go and they want to get their lives back. And going to sporting events is part of their lives. And I think that's great. I, it's wonderful. I hope everybody is safe and gets the vaccine. But that's tremendous. And we can live on and, and move forward out of this pandemic. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see. I mean, I... Look, I don't know if they're all vaccinated, but the bottom line is they were all there enjoying themselves. A big Mexican contingency down there, obviously, for Canelo, who uh, stopped. Saunders broke his orbital bone, or the report is he broke his orbital bone, so he stayed on the stool between the eighth and ninth round, and so Canelo continues to roll. Okay, a couple things as we get started. We'll get to baseball. We've got our buddy William Hill joining in a little bit, Josh Applebaum, Thomas Gable, so the regular crew on this Mother's Day. Uh, I, I mentioned I wanted to talk about the Browns. Did the Browns have the yeah. best offseason? Kind of, it's a weird, we haven't really discussed them, but quietly, I'll give you all the numbers, but let's just take a step back and think about their offseason as we enter the 2021 kind of preseason here. 
Well, I mean, look, they, they, they bring back a lot of their players. They get rid of Sheldon Richardson and as a defensive tackle who really was overhyped and underperformed, in all honesty. He was, he's a talented player when he wants to be a talented player, and that's not, not always the case. So, you know, they replace him. They'll have Jordan Elliott inside there, their third-round pick from 20. They'll have Andrew Billings, who they signed as, an undra as a free agent from Cincinnati. They drafted Togi from, uh, in the fourth round this year. And then they signed Malik Jackson, who at one time Malik was a really good player. But the last two years in Jacksonville and then in Philly, he's not been the same guy. So, you know, and then, of course, they, sound the, they signed the great Clowney to add a rusher opposite of, of Miles Garrett. You know, we shall see how that's going to work out. But I do think they have improved defensively. They draft a Newsome kid. They get another corner to go along with. They, they'll allow Troy Hill, who they signed at free agency, to be the third corner. You know, look, they, they have a third-place schedule, Patrick. I mean, and this offense is coming back fully intact. The offensive line is fully intact. And, you know, they have two running backs who, you know, one gained 1,000 yards in 12 games. The other one, you know, only carried the ball. You know, he actually carried the ball more than Hunt, more than Chubb did, and gained 840, uh, 840 yards. So they're, they're really good in that area. They got 18 touchdowns out of their running backs. I mean, think about that. Wow. And how many times did Baker Mayfield throw the ball to wide-open mm. receivers? I mean, you know, it's really kind of remarkable how well they did. And they didn't have Beckham for most of the season. So this is a talented team with a third-place schedule. I, I think there's a lot to like about it, you know, and I think they're going to be a hard out for the Ravens. I really do. I really do. I, I think they're going to be a hard out for the Ravens. And so, you know, first place plus 150, I, I think that's a pretty good That's a pretty good value. I would not I would not go against that. Yeah, you see the bet MGM numbers right there in front of you. The Ravens are your betting favorite in the north, a tough division, obviously, year after year at 115. The Browns, your second betting favorite at plus 150. The Steelers, 4-1. to one, Then the Bengals, 25-1. to one. There was a concerted effort, obviously, to fix the defense in the offseason. You mentioned a bunch of the additions, Michael, but I'll add, you know, Johnson, the safety, cornerback Hill, Newsom who you may have mentioned, Anthony Walker, the linebacker, uh, Tack McKinley. I totally forgot that they added the kid Tack McKinley. Yeah. Uh, and then Owusu Koromo, the linebacker from Notre Dame, who was one of the more exciting players in the draft, fell. I think you can correct me because of medicals. But they get a linebacker. Right. I mean, there must have been, uh, I believe it's Barry, who's the general manager now, concerted. Let's focus on defense here. Yeah, no doubt. And I, and I think, you know, the kid from Notre Dame is obviously an example of we don't know the medicals, and that's why he slipped. And clearly the Cleveland Browns felt like they were fine with it. They would have drafted him in the first round, and here they get him in the second round. So they basically end up with – without any – because this kid would have gone in the first round. In a defensive depleted draft, he was going to go in the first round. And those doctors that took him off a lot of teams' boards had good reason for it. Now, I don't know what they what the reason was, but the Browns seem to think they can work around it. A lot. This is what the variance is. And there's always one or two guys in every single draft that you're wondering why they're slipping. And typically, it's always medical. So, yeah, with Walker, you know, with Johnson, Hill, you know, and, and all these other players, they got McKinley was unhealthy last year. So if they get him back in shape. They had another rusher to go along with because Clowney's not going to play. Let's face it, Clowney's going to play 15 to 20 plays a game. That's it. And if he can get eight games, I would tip my hat to him because he does have a degenerate arthritic knee that's not going to come back plus shoulder problems. So, you know, I mean, he was a huge mistake for the Titans last year. We'll see if the Browns can get him in shape and he'll play football with great. I thought they overpaid him. That's the one thing I thought they did this offseason. 11 and 5 last year, played well in Kansas City. 
in the postseason. We have to give them credit for that. You mentioned your third place schedule somehow finished third in their own division at 11 and five, a tremendous division. Now this year, as we look ahead at a year, so it's a 17 week season for these teams. We know this, uh, I got 10 minus 140 at MGM. So that, as you know, Michael, that means we're going to 10 and a half that we got 10, 125 yeah. here, but a couple of books, 10, 140, maybe a 10 and a half out there as well. Yeah, I mean, look, last year, you know, when they they lose, they get they get drilled in Baltimore, right? Then they come back out and they and they play really well. They put a lot of points on the board. They put 35, 34, 49, 32 in in four weeks early in the season. Their offense was just strictly dynamic. And then Pittsburgh kind of they turned the ball over. Remember the first third down in the game, Baker throws a pick six and and that fell apart for them. Then they come back, they beat Cincy. They beat they lose to the Raiders in a really strange game. Remember in the corner of the end zone, they've got a touchdown yeah. uh, that we think Landry has, but he drops it. It was the right call. I'm not disputing that. But that they they, they had that weather period in October and early November where they really couldn't throw the football at home. The Raider game was one of them. Then the Houston game the next week, they won by three. So, you know, with nine home games, you've got to believe that on Lake Erie with that run game, especially if they put them later. I mean, look, the Texans, the Lions, the Bears, I mean, those are three teams they're going to beat. You know, the Raiders at home again. So, I, and I don't think the Steelers are going to be as tough out as anybody thinks they are. They'll be, they're going to have really lightly, um, defensively they won't have depth their, their depth will be light and because of that I think they're going to be very vulnerable I like to go with the over number here and I think I could see it going I would grab it before it goes to 10 and a half well let's transition to the Steelers here on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM because you see so I just told you they're the Browns are 10 10 and a half Okay, as far as season win total, the Steelers are a full game game and a half less you see I got nine on one app and then BetMGM is eight and a half, a little juiced up to the over, but I got nine minus 140. So this number is pure, well, eight and a half, nine-ish. But that is, that's a pretty big drop from a team, uh, you know, as we just used as the line of demarcation, the Browns, a, a game and a half is big for the Steelers here. Look, you know, tell me why you think the Steelers are going to be better. Is Ben going to find the fountain of youth? No. I mean, Ben, the last eight games of the season, when you look at it, when they were undefeated and you go through those last, the last period of the season, when, the, you know, when they beat Baltimore 19 to 14 in the first part of December, I think it was a Thursday or Wednesday night. I'm not sure when the heck that game was. You know, that was the RG3. Baltimore had nobody and they barely could win that game. They struggled like crazy in that game to win and they found a way to win. They weren't playing well. And then the next week they come back, they lose to Washington by six. Then they lose to Buffalo. Then they lose to Cincinnati in a game that, you know, wasn't even close. I mean, it wasn't even close. They beat Indy. They get behind in the first half on Indy, and then they come back, and then they get routed in Cleveland, and then they get routed again by the, in the playoff game. They get beat by Cleveland with the backups, and then they get routed by Cleveland with the starters. So when you look at this, here's where I think you have to put things in perspective. Big Ben goes to Jacksonville. He averages 4.08 yards per attempt. He comes back the next week against Baltimore, against a, a depleted Baltimore team 6-1. Then Washington 6-4. Then Buffalo 5-5. Then he plays Cincinnati 6-8. You know, and then he just can't get the ball down the field. He can't get the ball down the field. You know, and he ends up the season at 6.64 yards per attempt. I mean, his he he rarely got he rarely got over. I mean, he had. Two, one game over nine yards per attempt. That was against the Houston Texans hmm. and their bad secondary. And then the Indy game really kind of bailed him out. He got 7-9-4 because he made a couple plays down the field. But they don't throw it down the field. He can't. They only had 25 plays. Think about this, Patrick. They threw the ball 
They threw the ball 526 times, and they only had 25 plays of over 25 yards in the passing game. Think about that. It's incredible. In the passing game, they only had, right? That's all they had. And so because of it, they can't get the ball down the field. And you could say, well, their offensive line wasn't very good. Well, okay, fine. You can all complain about drafting Nigel Harris because how's he going to be any good? Well, nobody realizes that last year when you look at their team, you know, Connor had, you know, Connor had 721 yards. He hmm. averaged 427 when he played in those 13 games. Benny Snell, we don't think Benny Snell's a good back. He averaged 332. He got 368 yards. So they, they actually had backs that ran. You put Harris back there with a little bit of help, this offensive line's in question. I think the real biggest problem is Ben. I think Ben's the problem. I think Ben's at the end of his career, and I don't think anybody wants to admit it. Yeah, and you have to be careful not to be titillated with the postseason performance where he threw the ball, I don't know, 60 times where the numbers look gaudy, but that had nothing to do with Ben. They were just chasing in that game the whole time. Right, and he, and he only wants to be in shotgun. Here's the problem. He only wants to be in shotgun because he, doesn't, he wants to stay away from the pressure. He wants to have more time to be able to, and then he gets rid of the ball so quickly. Like, he needs to be under center. Most good quarterbacks need to be under center. Why? Because the play-action pass becomes prevalent there. That's when they got Baker Mayfield under center. Look at Baker Mayfield's career last year. More under center than in shotgun. He's not a shotgun passer on first and second down. He's too short. He can't see. He can't move. Ben's not a shotgun passer because he wants to get rid of the ball too quickly. He can see it, but he don't want to hold it. He don't want to get hit. That's it. You know, and this happens to older guys. As they get older, they don't want to take the hits anymore. Understandable. Understandable. But it also affects your offense. And so you've got to be able to have some balance. Get him under center a little bit. Have some play action. But he doesn't want that. He doesn't want to turn his back to the defense because he's worried about getting hit understandable, but you got to correct it. And I think this is going to be a true challenge for Matt Canada as he tries to take over an offense that is kind of wants to go in one direction, but Ben needs it to go in another direction. Should the Ravens be favored in division slightly over the Browns? And then their number is set at 11. So 10 and a half, 10 for the Browns, 11 for the Ravens in the North. I never doubt the Ravens in terms of their ability to rally, but I think you have to ask yourself the question is, can they really improve? Have they improved? Have they improved? You know, this whole notion about where are they? I think it's more scheme-related than talent-related. Everybody would disagree with that. You know, the Ravens need a big-time receiver. Yeah, they do. They signed Sammy Watkins. Okay, he can't stay healthy. They drafted Rashad Bateman. There's two guys that are supposed to really help their offense on the outside. But I think more than anything, I think they need to get Lamar Jackson under center. I think Lamar Jackson would be dynamic in the Gary Kubiak style of offense. I think if he ran what Baker Mayfield ran, I think it would be more effective. And I think they've got to get another tight end in the game. I mean, look, when they traded Hayden Hurst away, they took away the middle of the field. Here's the reality of Lamar Jackson. When he throws the ball on the outside, from outside the numbers, he averages to the right, he averages about five yards per attempt. To the left, he averages about 5'5". Five, five. So he doesn't throw the ball down the field outside. When he throws it inside the hash marks, he's at almost eight yards per attempt. Okay, so like an NBA three-point shooter, the defense knows how to defend them. We'll pack the middle of the field. We'll play one robber, one rat. We'll pack it inside. We'll take away that, and we'll take our chances on the outside against these receivers. And until they address that, until they handle that, I think it's going to be problematic. That is really interesting. So the offense that Baker's running, you think could benefit Lamar? 
No, there's no doubt it could benefit Lamar because here's why, Patrick. Because if if you just go through it, and what's the the offense is, has 11 players, the defense has 11 players, but the quarterback doesn't block anybody. He doesn't block anybody, or he doesn't take anybody out of the running game. But in Kubiak and Stefanski's and the Shanahan offense, he does block somebody mm. because when he runs a fake on that bootleg, somebody's got to go with him. Somebody has to go. So now you get to play 10 on 10. Right? It's not an 11 on 10 game. When Ben's in the game, it's an 11 on 10 game. You don't have to account for him. If right. he takes off and run, God bless. He's going to slide, you know, but you don't have to account for it. When you have to account for the quarterback on bootlegs, nakeds, and all that, it's an 11 on 11 game. You got a chance. But if you don't, it's a 10 on 11 game. They get the advantage. My biggest takeaway from the whole conversation about the North was you're down on the Steelers. So, look. If eight and a half's the number, you can find a nine out there. It sounds like you definitely feel under nine. I don't know where you're at on eight and a half. Oh, I'm definitely under. I'm definitely under nine. Okay. I mean, I, I think to me, I look. Mike Tomlin is a fabulous coach, and the fact that he won so many games with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, but they resigned Mason Rudolph. I don't know what they see in Mason Rudolph to want to resign him. He's very hesitant with the football. He doesn't have any anticipation. And so, if this team, if Ben gets hurt, which look, the the, the chances of an older quarterback getting hurt, you have to account for that. If you say, well, we just assumed he was going to be healthy, that's your own fault, right? He's not going to stay healthy. And I think that's the reality. And so if Rudolph has to play and you're sitting there on the road and have to go to Buffalo, Minnesota, Green Bay, L.A., the Chiefs, I mean, those are hard games. Those are four, five hard games. The Chiefs, the Chargers, that'll be a tougher game out there. You know, the Packers, assuming we don't know what's going on there. The Vikings will be a hard game, and so will the Bills. I want to round out the, the North part of me when we come back. We'll talk Bengals. But also on this Mother's Day, we got to talk about the – anger the Giants feel towards the Eagles. They are quote-unquote livid with the Eagles. We'll find out when we come back here on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Mr. Baseball, even BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. It has all your favorite wagering options. Go in-game, boosted odds, specials, and much more. If you're in town hanging out with Francine, stop by any MGM casino on the Strip. Bring your state-issued ID, and you're going to be betting within minutes, okay? Got to be 21 years or older. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. And also, call 1-800-522-4700 if you have a gambling problem. We say happy Mother's Day. Anne is here. Francine is here. Steph, the mother of Daisy, is here. Millie, <laughs> my, my, of course, my lovely mom, all of you, thank you very much for joining us. And happy Mother's Day. On a great Sunday, Michael Lombardi. I, You know, six and a half is a big number for a team like the Bengals who are coming up. But you got to put it in context. It's like six and a half for anybody else. Doesn't feel overwhelming, but six and a half for a Bengals team. That's a market improvement from last year, obviously, but there is a little buzz. Just the quarterback does a ton for buzz and he'll be coming back from the injury. Hopefully completely healthy by week one with burrow. Yeah. I mean, can he come back healthy? And, and I think there's always a little bit of a learning curve and, not, and I don't want to say a learning curve, a trust curve uh, when a quarterback's coming off an ACL. And there's a lot of things going on around his feet in the pocket. There is a little bit of hesitancy, and there is a little bit of I got to sure. feel really good about what I'm doing. And I think you've got to a lot for that. And I think you have to a lot for you know where are this where is this Bengal team going to be able to protect him? 
Can they protect them? Are they good enough to protect them? You know, that's the that to me is the the thing that bothers me the most. You know, they went with Jonah Williams in the first round of 19. They come back and draft this Jackson Carmen kid who a lot of teams had off their board. A lot of teams had Carmen off their board for different reasons. And so we'll see if those reasons rear their ugly head here in the next month or so. But the reality, that was a huge risk, I think, by them. And then they got Riley Reef at right tackle. Like, do we really think Riley Reef is going to be the guy that can help protect this? And certainly wasn't the case in Minnesota. Who needs offensive linemen? You know, this is a class, to me, the Bengals are a classic example of a team that loves to play with, with skilled players. And look, I think Jamar Chase is great. But... Are they good enough on the on the offensive and the defensive lines when it really matters? Are they good enough there? And I, and I really have questions about that. They didn't change their coaching staff. It's the same group of, of people. They want to leave Mixon on the field. They think they can get more out of him. We shall see. I just don't know if they have all the parts running together, and I'm just not sure that Zach Taylor can get all the parts to run together. And I mean, he's won three games. Yeah. He's won six games in two years. Most coaches that win six games in two years will not be employed. No, he gets another year. Brutal division per usual. Remember, I said six and a half. If you're going to go over on the Bengals, you got to win seven games. So that it would be a market jump from so four. Seven and ten. Seven and ten. Do you see? Do you, let's, Steph, let's put that schedule back up. Where six do you feels see right. seven wins? Five or six feels right. Where do you see right. seven wins? Like, and if you see any wins, or, it, the wins will come early in the year. Well, the wins will come in September. They will not come later in the season. Uh, once, because the, the, the Claire, I mean, you could certainly see them, you know, Jacksonville, could they beat them? Okay. I mean, where are the wins coming from? I, you know, I, I got Jacksonville right there. Could they beat the Raiders? Perhaps Denver, perhaps the Bears, the Lions. I mean, let's just say they beat the Jets. The, these, the, their easy games are on the road. The Jets, let's say that's one, Lions two, Bears three, Raiders four, and they went and they beat two teams at home. That's six. I mean, that, that's a hard road. That, that's a schedule that's not hard on the road, but it's hard to predict wins on the road because they're not that dominant of a team to go out there and play and win, beat the Jets. The I mean, the Lions can beat them. You know, I it's think that under yeah. the numbers to write that. And you mentioned the Lions. It, it made me think of their big offseason acquisition to protect Burrow, Riley Reef. That's who drafted the Lions. This is his third team. This is not, you're not exactly right. getting a spring chicken here. No, and he's over 30. Can he stay healthy? Now, they drafted Deontay Smith in the fourth round. Are they going to put him out there? You know, I mean, I, like I said earlier, that there are two guards last year, Michael Jordan, not D. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, the fourth-round pick in 19, and, and Quentin Spann are both marginal players. And Trey Hopkins, the center, I mean, they don't control the middle of the, far, the team. They really don't. And this is where I'm worried about Burrow. Like, there's no – like, I would have liked them to draft – would draft the left tackle Sewell and then kick kick the left tackle into left guard and then really have two first round picks, have Williams and Sewell on the left side and feel like you're pretty good. But naturally they went for receivers, which they have Boyd and Higgins and you know they have some good receivers, but Chase will be good for them. But how are they going to get him the ball? The if time? they go Sewell one, you're picking 46. It just feels like they could have got a wide receiver there. I, again, who knows? Of course they could have. There, there's hope. There's obvious hope because of Burrow. He gives you so much. It, when he's playing, they, they were in the they, game. They, 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 they said, "Look, we'll get we'll get Carmen and we'll get Chase is better than Sewell and whoever." That's how they play. It's like that's how they looked at it. 
Remember, they went to Indy and were up 21-0. I mean, this kid, Burrow, is spectacular, but the injuries, that, that would be a concern. Yep. When we come back, William Hill joins us here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. It's VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed the Lombardi line this weekend, you can always find the Lombardi line, follow the money, all the shows here at VSIN. Just go to vsin.com slash podcast. Also, Gil Alexander's Beating the Book, Josh Applebaum's Market Insights, PGA Tour Betting Previews, Long Shots, Ron Flatter Racing. It's all there. Let's go to vsin.com slash podcast for more information as we welcome you back. It is the Lombardi line on a Sunday, Mother's Day. Good day. Michael Lombardi hanging out in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher hanging out with the girls here in Vegas. I got, I'm surrounded by moms as I look around. And here comes William Hill, Point Spread Weekly contributor, who I think probably wants to give a shout out to start. Hi, Will. Hey, I was listening to the start of the show, and I realized there's only one of us on this show that's got a team that's a one seed, and it's not your Pistons, it's not my Lakers. It's Lombardi Sixers. Uh, You'd think he'd be in a better mood, more smiles. I'm not going to call him an ingrate. That wouldn't be a nice thing to say, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he needs to talk to Dr. Melfi, straighten out his feelings, because this this team should be giving him some happiness. You know, I gave out Sixers 12 to 1 in point spread weekly, and on this show at the beginning of the year to win the East. You'd think we'd have a little more joy here. Sandbagging. You know how he does. He sandbags. I am... I'm not like those NFL teams that celebrate after a pick. I, I happen to watch these games, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of concern you would have if you watch the games, especially the fortunate the way they've been last night. The Pistons. I mean, I would have played the Pistons in the points, would have lost I that know. one. But you know, Maxi Maxi starts at guard for him last night. Simmons has got back tightness. Embiid played 23 minutes, and you know they got Maxi was sensational in the game. And you know, look, I think they've been very fortunate fortunate by the schedule and we'll see how it goes. I do they do think they need the one seed. So I'm not I'm not sandbagging you. I'm just cautiously optimistic. Well one thing we do know Will and Michael, they they care about that one seed because as you know Will, Michael and I were discussing they Embiid played last night. He played twenty two minutes last night after the big night the night before. So second half of a back to back, they're looking to wrap up that one seed the seventy sixers will. Yeah, and it's not like in the West. In the West, the seed is based on the opponent. We don't really know. I mean, you could be the one seed and draw the Lakers. That's not ideal if they're healthy. Um, but in, in the East, it's much different. The one seed, you avoid the Nets and the Buffs till the conference finals. And if you're the one seed, this is your road to the conference finals. The play-in winner, and then either the Hawks or the Knicks probably. So that's a pretty cake. I mean, that's as easy as it gets. If you can draw that, you're, totally. you're probably going to be in the conference finals. So it's big, to, it's big to get the one seed. 100%. You know, I... I think, and you had a comment here before we get to your picks today. You had a comment. You wanted to talk about the Browns. You said you were listening to the show. Yeah, I was listening to the start of the show. And uh, I just think be careful with the Browns. You look at them 11-5. and five. Oh, They won a playoff game, almost beat the Chiefs. Easy over, right? Be careful. They were outscored 419 to 408 last year. They had a negative point differential. And you'll get some of their wins. Jacksonville, the Raiders, the Bengals twice. They played the whole NFC East. They got the Giants without Daniel Jones. So, uh, maybe a little bit of fool's gold. And remember, last year they entered with no expectations because two years ago they burned everybody. They were everybody's darling. They had a terrible year, so everyone was kind of off them last year. They they went into last year with no expectations. This year they're going to have people picking them. I'm sure they're going to be a popular pick, maybe to win the division. Have people have them, you know, as a sleeper to go to the Super Bowl. That's that's tricky when you have expectations when you're not used to it. I would say this though, Will. I, I'm going to have to research this, but how many 11 win teams have a third place schedule? that we've seen over the last 20 years. 
that's the uh, that's the to me where I'm coming from on this. That that rarely does a 11 win team end up with a third place schedule the next season. And that's where I think they gain the advantage. And I agree with you. Look, they had to shore up their defense. Their defense was problematic. But tell me on that schedule, you know, they've got to go to New England. That'll be a hard game. Minnesota, Green Bay, those will be hard. The Chiefs are, are the Chiefs will be hard on the road. I mean, they have a tough road schedule. But look at their home one. They get the Texans, the Cardinals, the Lions, the Bears, the Raiders, you know, and the Steelers. So I, I do think they have a chance to get to that number only because they're in this third-place schedule. Fun Mother's Day conversation around brunch. How many third-place schedules from an 11-win team? That'll always, <laughs> that'll always get them going on Mother's Day. Let's go St. Louis. Wainwright on the bump. I think you and Mr. Baseball line up here. Marquez in Colorado. This one open. St. Louis is getting bet here, Will. Yeah, the Rockies have actually been pretty decent at home. The problem today, they're not at home. They're in uh, in St. Louis on the road, 2-13 and 13 on the road. Marquez is a guy that I've been backing. Well, I see this number's really mm-hmm. gone up. I mean, you could have gotten it at minus 120, 125 this morning. This is yeah, this I'm, seeing, shot well, I'm seeing 155. We got a Oof. 150 here, Will. Yeah, that might be out of range. I mean, I played it minus 130, minus 140. I mean, if you're just playing the worst of the number. I mean, I know Applebaum's going to like the steam on this one, but the Rockies have been bad, really away from home, 2-13 and 13 away from home. So Marquez has been bad as well. I like the Cardinals. I love Wainwright. He's been consistently a good pitcher at home throughout his career. He's got a 2.89 when he's in his own ballpark. So I'm going to go with that. And he's facing his only win of the season is coming home, and he'll be facing the Colorado team that has struggled to score once they leave. So I do like this one. All right, next one up for William Hill here. Rays, A's, under. What do you got? Boy, typical Rays. They lose Snell. They lose more. And what are they going to do for pitching? Here's Shane McClanahan, 100-mile-an-hour fastball lefty. Looks like, he's th- looks like he's throwing a wiffle ball. It's absolutely ridiculous, the movement he gets on these pitches. Yep. Irvin, Irvin's been good for the A's, 34 strikeouts, five walks. Uh, you're in a big ballpark. I played this at eight. I see it's down to seven and a half, which makes sense. That's, this looks like an under to me. Um, I got an idea for a prop. If, if you get Thomas Gable on, I think he's going to be on later. How many no-hitters? What's a fair number? How many no-hitters will there be the rest of the year? What's a good number for that, Patrick? So Two and a half, four, three? We're four yeah. in like 37 days. Gosh. And a bunch of close calls, too. I mean, it seems like every night this guy's got a no-hitter into the seventh inning. It's just so hard to hit. Well, I Matt, think and also Bumgarner, that would be five if we could include. Wow, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Uh, what would you put it at, Will? Let's see. Four right now. I guess he'd have to put it at five and a half. Six? Wow, for the rest of the year, I I just think they'll even out. I mean, I don't know that this pace will continue. That would be a fun one. Let's get Five Mr. Gable. All right, let's get Gable. He could post that. I mean, they can afford it. We, we don't even want ask for that much a part of the handle. You know, we, we're cheap. We're not. <laughs> I mean, we're not Gandhi. We're not going to do it for free, but we'll we'll take a reasonable cut. It, it has. I like invoking Gandhi on this Sunday's edition <laughs> of the Lombardi line. I love Will's the best. How about the Phillies today? All 30 teams in action today on the diamond. And our buddy Will Hill has entered the matrix. The Phillies at the Braves. That's tonight. That's Sunday night. Nola, Noah, uh, seven and a half as far as a total and looks like Nola's lane 110. Will is back. Got a minute here, Will. What do you got? 
And he's back in the matrix. We say to okay. you and your family, <laughs> happy Mother's Day, Will. Thank you. I know happy he was. Happy Mother's Day to Elise. Yeah, yeah, happy Mother's Day. I know he was on the fills, laying a bit of a short price uh, at Atlanta with their ace on the bump in NOLA. 110, 110, 108-ish, somewhere in there. We've got 109, Michael, with the Phillies. Okay, when we come back, Josh Applebaum's going to be joining us right here on the Lombardi line. As we continue along on a Sunday, got plenty of NFL news to get to as well. It's vcin.com for more information. M Lombardi NFL on Twitter. We're at vcin live. Come on back. Hit a dinger tonight. Hit a home run. You're going to win $100 over at BetMGM's for new customers. Bet a dollar to win 100 You see it right there. Sign up. Use the bonus code VSIN100. And if the Phillies or Braves hit a home run tonight, bam, $100 in your account. Please gamble responsibly. You have to be 21 years or older. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. If you have a gambling problem, 1-800-2707-117 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. In Tennessee, call or text Redline 800-889-9789. We do welcome you back here on the Lombardi Line. Plenty of time to go here. I can't believe Francine is still hanging out. I thought she was going to be on the craps. There's a crap table, the crap table right there, Francine. You and I can go learn after the show. That is, of course, Steph's mom who's hanging out on a Mother's Day. Michael Lombardi. We bring in Josh Applebaum from New England. There he is. He's got his Sunday best on. He's he's excited for Mother's Day. How you doing, buddy? out there and a special happy mother's day to my mother who i love lee applebaum i love you happy mother's day shout to lee applebaum <laughs> happy mother's day yes happy mother's day very much now you wanted to talk a little baseball trend here as far as the unders i believe the overs were 11 and 4 yesterday and a slight edge overall on the season at 54 50.4 percent clip on the over yeah, Patrick, I think this is important because we have seen so far this year, and we start off, dogs continue to do very well. That's the biggest storyline of the season thus far. You're only about 47% win rate, but you're up around 45, 50 units overall because of these plus money payouts. The totals have been different, and there's an interesting angle here, Patrick, because it started off where unders did very well. We've seen over the past, I would say, maybe two weeks or so, overs have really, really roared back here. Maybe as the weather, it's getting a little bit nicer here. Um, but there is one edge here. Sundays are weird. Sundays are different. Um, I do. I did some digging here because the unders on Sundays this year are 38 and 28, 58 percent. Uh, $100 better than each under on a Sunday is up, up around $800. Why is that important? Because all other days, Patrick, uh, unders are only 48.2%. They're 198 and 213. You're down around 28 units. So I think the moral of the story is something about unders, whether it's all these day games or it's a getaway day. Uh, Michael, maybe these teams are just kind of ready to wrap, wrap up these series and move on to the next. But there is an angle here. And again, it, it's 58% to the under on Sunday. Every other day of the week, it's only 48%. That's interesting. I, I, you know, how does Sun? And you would think because they most Sunday games are day games, and the weather hasn't been exactly perfect in the East on Sunday. So it's kind of interesting how it all comes about. I, I mean, I, th I think it's something to take into account, no doubt about it. Yeah, and there's 
one is that's a good dig there as far as a trend on Sundays to the under Josh. Let's talk. One of the games on your board is Nats Yankees. Let's have a Scherzer appreciation moment for a second. <laughs> shall we? So the Yankees beat the Nats. You saw this yesterday, Michael in 11, four to two, but it had nothing to do with Scherzer seven and a third, two hits, one earned 14 strikeouts and one walk 69 strikes and 109 pitches thrown. That's insane. 22 swings and misses wild stuff. And he becomes only fifth ever Nolan, Ryan, Randy Johnson, Clemens, and Pedro to have a hundred double digit career strikeout games or more. So this is, I mean, just an unreal career for Scherzer. Josh, we'll start there with yesterday's dominance, but that's why sometimes you go first five on these games. You've got to focus on the starter because the bullpens can kill you. Yeah, it's a great point, Patrick. I think a lot of times we think first five, Jacob deGrom, a guy who uh, is almost always up or it's a one nothing game or it's really close and you get worried about the bullpen. Uh, with Scherzer yesterday, that play, you know, with the Yankees, they were taking in some respected money. You know, the fact that you had majority of bets on Scherzer, but line moved to the Yanks, that kind of was a, a bit of a sharp hit yesterday. But I think your point is well taken. It really wasn't Scherzer who lost you the game there. He, he pitched great. It's really getting to his bullpen here for the Yankees coming through yesterday. Uh, but guys, Michael, and what do you think about today's game? Because one thing I noticed here uh kind of both a pro and joe play uh toward the yankees i think it's sometimes a misconception that respected money wise guys and recreational betters are always on different sides that's not always the case looks to me like they're both leaning yankees today a little bit uh these teams obviously split the first two games of the series washington 11 to 4 win the opener yankees 4 to 3 yesterday uh but we have seen some movement here toward the yankees michael they've gotten you know the opener on minus 145 they're up to minus 150 at some points throughout uh this morning they got up to like minus 160 so all this movement has been toward the yankees here one thing i like is this interleague line move we saw it hit yesterday uh, in interleague play, you know, playing based the style of the home team, uh, whoever the line moves to in an interleague matchup, it's 29 and 20 this year, 59.2%. You also look at the way these teams have trended, you know, Washington one and four, their last five Yankees playing a little bit better, six and two, their last eight. Um, and you've also seen the Yankees plus 12 and run differential Washington minus 16. So Michael, what do you think here? Any reason to lay the, the money here with the Yankees, or do you think maybe Washington gives up a fight? Or a little bit of under money, guys. Nine and a half down to nine. Both these teams are good to the under. Yankees, 20 and 13 to the under. Washington, 18 and 10 to the under. You know, I kind of actually think the over's in play here because I think when you look at German and he pitches in Yankee Stadium, he has a hard time keeping the ball in the park throughout his career, which plus be with the short dimensions at the stadium. So he's given up multiple long ball, long ball home runs in three of his last five starts. And the Nationals are a team that lead the National League in batting average and have plenty of pop in their lineup. So I lean towards the over here. I, I would lean towards the Nationals because I don't. I think Ross will have a better chance against the Yankee lineup, even though I do. Think think both teams will score. That's why I like the over. I could see why some why it's moved a little bit down, but I would go back the other way. Two, these two teams combined for 15 runs on Friday night. I like the over. Yeah, and Soto's back. You know, the offense had woken up for the Nats, uh, but Soto had a couple of rough at-bats yesterday. I was watching that game, zeroed in on that game. Okay, Josh, next one up. Milwaukee is down in South Beach, Miami. Yeah, looking at Miami here, guys, Milwaukee 18 and 16 this year, Miami 15 and 17. But uh, this is the rubber game. They split the first two. Miami won six to one. And then you had Milwaukee come back yesterday, six to two. What I like about this one is uh, kind of some sneaky movement to Miami here. The fish at home open around minus 125. They've been bet up to minus 135. This would match one system I like a home team in a non division game with steam of 10 cents or more. 
46 and 31. That's 60% this year. You also get a fav low, uh, favorite with a low total here. Miami's favorite. The total is seven. It was actually seven and a half down to seven. So you had some money under. And even though it fell seven after seven, you're still juicing up the under minus 120 here. So it looks like some under money. Uh, also, Miami, uh, I think you're, you're really relying on their bats here. They're hitting 232, 17th in, in MLB. Nothing crazy. But Milwaukee's one of the worst hitting teams in the league this year, only hitting 218. That's 27th in baseball. And also, Michael, I think you're really banking on Alcantara, the pitcher for the Marlins. Uh, he's one and two, 2.95 ERA, but he just pitched against Milwaukee the 28th of April. He went seven innings, only two runs and Miami won that game 6-2. to two. So, uh, Michael, what do you think? Are the fish at this number uh, a worthwhile play today? You know, I do like this pitching matchup. Alcataraz, he's been solid. I mean, he's got 42 strikeouts to 10 walks in a ratio in 42 innings. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And he dominated before. Milwaukee's offense can get shut down easily, and I think that's what's going to happen. I like the under here, and I do like, I like the Marlins. All right, let's make it a threesome. <laughs> not, not. Come on, Josh. Take it easy. It's Mother's Day. <laughs> what I mean is, you all three agree with the cards play. Will Hill, Josh Applebaum, and Michael Lombardi. Mister Baseball's on the cards today. Rockies in town. What do you got here, buddy? Yeah, and the beauty of it is we, we didn't talk to each other before this. So this is just an overlap situation, which which makes me even more confident. Uh, but I, I'm with you guys on St. Louis today. I think this is it's it's not a no-brainer. You know, no, there's no such thing as a lock, no such thing as a guarantee. But you're checking off quite a few boxes if you want to bet the Cardinals today. Uh, they've won both uh, the first two games of this series, 5 nothing, 9-8. to eight. They were big favorites in both of those games, around minus 200. You're getting a little bit of a lower number here, which I think you might be intrigued by. But really, uh, this movement towards St. Louis, they opened minus one. 140. They're up to minus 150. You'd see this uh, 10 cent non-division line move uh, on a home team, 59.2% this year. Also a sweet spot non-division favorite. When you're between minus 150 and minus 175 in this spot, 28 and 16, 64%. Another favorite with a low total opportunity. And you also get the pitching matchup. Uh, Marquez and you, Will Hill, and you guys mentioned it. Uh, he's been getting lit up here. If you remember his last time out against San Fran, he didn't even get out of the first inning. I think he gave up eight runs in that game. They lost 12 to four. Uh, and then you also have St. Louis 11 and six as a favorite. Colorado 8 and 19 is a dog. And as Will Hill mentioned, Colorado is terrible on the road. 2 and 13, St. Louis 11 8 home. So, Michael, I know you like St. Louis here, but are you banking on Wainwright to pitch well or maybe the bats for St. Louis just kind of beating down on, on Marquez? I mean, I think there's no doubt I'm betting on Wayne, Wainwright. I like the play. I think at minus 150. I had it at minus 146. I got a little less than that, but I do like that. I'm going to bank on Wainwright all the way. Yeah, and always it's something to mention as far as the Rockies, always pay attention to the home and away splits. This is year to yep. year. There's always a built-in advantage uh, in Colorado for the hitters, uh, and they just get so comfortable. Arenado's a great example. His home and away splits, there's a reason uh, that teams were reticent when there were rumors that the Rockies were looking to move on from one of the great third basemen we've seen because we were they were concerned about his home and away split. So good, good mention there. And you see, hey, Josh, he got the best of it. He got 146. It's up, it's up 150 now. That's a lot of steam on the Breadbirds. Yeah, I mean. A lot. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Michael, not only are you doing great with your baseball plays, you're beating the closing line here, my man. So now it's all up to minus 150. You got a good number on that I one. I know. I owe it to Stephanie. She got it for me. I, I, I was just, I was delighted when she told me. <laughs> That's right. Steph was, she wasn't shopping for her mom. She was shopping for the best number for you I on Mother's it. Day. That, that is very yeah. benevolent. <laughs> it's very mm. benevolent. Uh, Josh, anything in about a minute here, anything NBA wise you're keeping an eye on? We'll get to you next hour, of course, but something right now popping out at you. 
Yeah, keep an eye on the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics today, guys. This is a sneaky big game, 1 o'clock game for seeding purposes. This is really, really important because these teams, they don't want to be in that play-in. They might end up being in there anyway. But this is intriguing because a lot of, of these uh, odds open around Celtics, either minus one or a pick em, And we're seeing uh, some money toward the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat have kind of hopped the fence. They're minus one at a bunch of shops. Some shops are still around a pick em, But this is also the Celtics missing Jalen Brown here. Kind of a full roster here for the Miami Heat. So let's see where this thing develops. So Miami Heat in a really big game, taking in some action today. Oh, I see you're still making excuses for your Celtics, Josh. Always. May 9th. I mean, I, I'm surrounded by Celtics fans here. They are trash this year. Don't let, don't, don't forget, don't trip Josh Applebaum. Uh, happy Mother's Day to Lee Applebaum. Thank you, Josh. We'll talk to you next hour. Thanks, guys. See you then. Okay, Michael, I mentioned the Giants are upset with the Eagles. When we come back, we'll find out why here on the Lombardi Line. 